0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to OK Talks. I'm your host, Oliver Kendall. I'm a lifelong political nerd with an academic background in international relations and security policy, who's also worked for a number of liberal political campaigns and organizations. I've also gotten to live outside the U.S. for a couple of years, which, I think, puts me in a good position to comment for my American audience on some events of note happening outside the country and to interpret for my, I'm pleased to say, growing and non-American audience just what the hell's going on in American politics. So, been a while since my last episode. Anything happened since then, or. Oh, yeah. Well, since it's the summer, a time when people usually go on vacation, and I myself just got back to Europe after my own fairly long jaunt around the US, the first time I visited the homeland in almost three years, thank you, pandemic, I figured I'd channel a bit of my own experience traveling and living abroad to do an episode where I talk about vacation, travel, how those things and the differences in culture around them are impacted pretty heavily by which side of the Atlantic you live on. Now if you don't want to bother listening through the whole episode, the moral of the story basically is that maybe living in Europe for a couple of years has made me weak and soft. But I think when it comes to work-life balance and vacation, they've got this one right and we've got this one terribly wrong. So when I finished undergrad, what feels like an increasingly alarmingly long time ago, I arrived in DC and after a couple of internships ended up working for a firm that does media relations for progressive nonprofits and foundations. I was excited. The job looked interesting and worthwhile. It was. Uh, the company was one that really does try to foster a sense of community among its employees uh, and it came with some cool perks like, you know, a Vitamix blender in the office, one of those cool coffee machines that makes just about every hot beverage you could possibly imagine. Also, Employees started off receiving 15 days of paid vacation. Now, I should mention that since I left, uh, the company has unionized, so I don't know exactly how things look now. But regardless, being unionized is not really the norm in this industry, nor is it in the U.S. in general, where only about 12% of employees are represented by unions at this point, according to the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So I think my experience from before the union is actually a pretty good reference point. The consensus around me was that 15 days of paid vacation and three personal days was quite good. Indeed, I am pretty sure that I was in fact getting more vacation time than most other folks in similar positions to me at the time. This does make some degree of sense since this company is one that very much sees itself on the progressive edge of things, something it certainly lives up to if you look at its client list. And also a company that works really hard and with, I think, really good intentions to foster work-life balance and encourage their employees to not feel burnt out or hate their lives and their work. And to their credit, they're largely successful in this as far as I can tell. Although we definitely worked hard, um, I did not have almost any of the, oh my God, I worked half the night and never took a break, please God sustain me till the weekend so I can binge drink my feelings kind of thing that one so often hears about in the DC consulting circuit. But here's the thing. In Spain, where I live now, or indeed almost any other developed country except, I think, Japan and maybe Canada, my employers, who again, really did try much harder than did, I think, most of their American peers to facilitate work-life balance, would be brought up in front of whatever regulatory body exists for labor rights because 15 days of paid vacation is well below even the bare minimum of what's required by the governments in virtually any other country in the West or much of the rest of the world. The Germans, for example. Deutschland, the typical home of hard work or deficiency. Sorry, guys. Mandate a minimum of 20 paid vacation days. But on average, employees there actually end up with 30. Here in Spain, you get, I want to say, a minimum of 22 days of paid vacation. In Ukraine, you get a minimum of 24. In Egypt, it's 21. In Panama, you get 30 how many days of paid vacation are mandated in the US by comparison? Zero. Afghanistan. Tragically, been spending some time in the headlines lately. As of a couple of years ago, even the Afghan government guaranteed its employees 20 days of paid vacation, according to the International Labor Organization. Of course, it remains to be seen what the Taliban's vacation policy will be like. They've pretty dramatically slashed the workforce. By effectively disappearing Afghanistan's entire female population, and will presumably do so even further by returning to their regular habit of wantonly executing random people for minor offenses, so who knows? But hey, I guess you could argue that the Taliban has given all of the women of Afghanistan a giant unpaid vacation, if your idea of a vacation is to have no rights whatsoever and effectively live under house arrest with the imminent threat of unimaginable violence should you fail to comply. Sorry to bring down the mood with my horrifyingly heartbreaking side note. I will get back to the actual point of the episode now. Bottom line, the government of the United States, the single richest country in history, guarantees its workers absolutely zero paid time off. In stark contrast to virtually all the rest of the world. It's worth noting that most of those other countries that I mentioned also have around like 10 paid holidays on average in addition to the normal paid time off. The U.S. doesn't have any of those either. So, ultimately, as with so many other things that are at least lightly regulated to good effect by governments in other parts of the world, the US gives complete control of this issue to the private sector. And how's that working out? Well, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, as of a couple of years ago, a little over 8 out of 10 American employees got at least some paid time off. Now, let's bear in mind that that includes public sector government employees. are more likely to be unionized and generally have better benefits that number is a little bit lower if we only factor in the private sector and how much time off was that well according to cnbc a couple years back americans who did get time off got an average of about 10 days that sucks especially when you compare that to again a minimum of 22 days in spain 28 in the uk 30 in france i could go on and again. Ten days in the U.S. was the average, not the minimum. Millions of Americans got no paid time off at all or even a paid holiday. This mentality, and reality effectively, that American workers just aren't entitled to, shouldn't feel they have the actual right to a break longer than it takes to eat, use the bathroom, and sleep, is something that I think doesn't get nearly enough attention in the public discourse, and is also something that I believe has some implications for American politics and culture, so I wanted to talk about it here. While also hoping desperately that any prospective future employer of mine in the US either doesn't hear this, or if they do, will please, please believe me when I say that I'm a hard worker and I promise I won't play hooky if you hire me. Hey folks, before the episode continues, I just want to take a second to ask you, if you haven't already, please, go ahead, hit that subscribe button. Then after you do that, hit the little button next to it with the three dots or whatever it is on your preferred platform. Hit share and spam that link out to everybody you can think of. That way you don't miss an episode and it really does help get the show off the ground, which I appreciate very much. All right, back to it. Besides just the basic annoyance of it being kind of unfair that our peers in so many other countries manage to hold jobs while also experiencing a lot more life outside the office than we do, I think the fact that it's so much harder for Americans than for other nationalities to get time away from their jobs and travel has some real negative impacts to our politics, culture, and collective psychology. Americans are pretty isolated in a whole number of ways for a whole number of reasons. Take just culturally, for example. America's cultural dominance grows our soft power and spreads our values abroad, which I argue is usually a good thing. But this leaves Americans themselves fairly isolated culturally. Since much of the world's pop culture, Hollywood, music, etc. comes from the US, many Americans just don't see that much stuff that comes from somewhere else. Every country I've lived in the last couple years, theaters are full of American movies and folks Netflix queues are full of American TV shows. But with the exception of family members I've browbeaten into watching Casa de Papel, almost nobody in the States is watching TV shows from Thailand or Spain. Sure, some people have discovered that they like Korean pop music and there's a foreign-language film category at the Oscars. But the phenomenon that was Gangnam style only happened once, and the Oscars have increasingly become an unbearable, elitist, holier-than-thou, woke Olympics that fewer and fewer people actually want to tune into or take any cues from. Long story short, bottom line, most of the culture Americans consume is produced in the U.S. itself. So, besides food, Americans, especially the ones that don't live in big, major, multicultural cities, aren't getting that much exposure to other places and cultures while physically at home. Besides cultural isolation as, like, an unintended byproduct of our own cultural dominance, the U.S. is also super physically isolated. Being huge and having an ocean on both sides of the country... Great for emerging comparatively unscathed from world wars, less great for international travel. Considering the distance and the inevitable jet lag, unless you stay in Hemisphere, a reference that hits pretty close to home at the moment as I record this part of the episode at 5 a.m. local time since I just changed nine time zones, you need time to travel abroad. You would certainly usually need more time than is afforded by, like, 10 days of vacation. Because remember, that's the average number of paid vacation days that Americans get. And let's be real, half of that's going to go to visiting your family and the few extra days off that you need to take around Christmas if your office only gives you the 24th and the 25th. So if you're starting from 10 days, or again, possibly even fewer, what does that leave? That might be part of why, according to a bunch of studies, Americans are way less likely than the citizens of peer countries to go abroad, with the average American having visited just three countries, according to a study by Hostel World. By the way, Hostel World, I love you. Please sponsor me? Yes, the United States is physically large, and there's lots to do there. But, despite my instinct to make fun of our neighbors to the north, for some reason, the same can definitely be said of Canada and a far greater percentage of Canadians have passports than Americans, a majority of whom don't have one. Yes, some of this can definitely be traced to America's absolutely staggering levels of income inequality, but some of it definitely has to do with the fact that many Americans simply don't have time to leave the country, which is exacerbated by geographical isolation. Just as a sort of personal anecdote, Canada and Australia Two other physically huge English-speaking countries that are not exactly Luxembourg in terms of their proximity to a bunch of other countries. And I'm pretty sure I've met just about as many of them during my time abroad as I have other Americans. And in terms of population, there are like 10 times more of us. Being isolated from the rest of the world makes it easier for Americans to totally check out from what's going on on a planet where no country has a greater impact than our own. Decisions we make as a admittedly flawed democracy... For more, please check out almost the entire collected works of uh, the OK Talks podcast, especially the last three episodes. Decisions we make as a country can have a huge impact on the people of other countries. It's not great, then, that our voters are in an almost uniquely bad position to ever meet or visit them. Furthermore, American voters often miss out on learning things that other countries have by now figured out. The whole laboratories of democracy thing doesn't have to just be between U.S. states. I know Bernie Sanders has done a lot of work, and good for him for having done so, to spread the word since 2016 that the citizens of like, a whole bunch of other countries receive free, high-quality health care from their governments without those countries then devolving into unlivable communist nightmares. But, like, That's not just a meme on a Facebook page. That's real life. And I think if more Americans experienced, as I have, how it is to get sick or injured in a European country and receive free, high-quality health care without having to deal with all the bureaucratic horseshit that comes with American health insurance companies, they might see the virtue in it. Put a bit more elegantly, I believe that citizens who have at least a bit of experience in other countries tend to be better-informed voters in their own. Now, before anybody jumps up and down on me for being insufficiently patriotic, none of this is meant to rag on the United States or imply that most of the rest of the world has it better than we do. Well, except in the context of the amount of paid vacation they get, and that way, yes, most of the rest of the world is better than we do. I don't want to sound like an obnoxious college junior who just came home from their super transformative semester abroad, trying to, like, show off how worldly they are and lecturing everybody about how much better the metric system is. Although, now that I mention it, yes, we should also switch to the metric system. But there are places outside the U.S. that are worth going to, and we would be, I don't know, richer, deeper, better informed, more interesting as a nation if more of us had the chance to experience a bit of that. The fact that Americans are somewhat cut off from the world is, in many ways, not our fault. But we kind of are. And for all the reasons I've just outlined, I really don't think that's a good thing. Given that, and considering the various geographic and cultural obstacles I've also outlined, the U.S. seems like a great place to not also have another huge obstacle in the form of our people simply not getting as much time off as folks do in much of the rest of the world so that they could more easily go and have some other experience without having to also quit their job. In addition to that cultural isolation factor that I at least partially attribute to the fact that Americans get like no time off work, our work culture, not having enough time off to take a proper vacation, travel, and the like, I would argue is also probably not very good for our collective psychology. I mean, look at us. Even before the pandemic, hell, even before the unbelievable added stress that came from having a, well, whether you loved him or hated him, undeniably unconventional, unpredictable president who absolutely insisted on being just ever-present in our day-to-day lives, It felt like we were at a boiling point. A lot of reasons for that, but surely getting not nearly enough time off to decompress doesn't help. I mean, to quote Bill Maher on this issue, trying to cram an entire year's worth of relaxing into two weeks of unpaid vacation is more stressful than the goddamn job. You may as well just sit in the baby pool and snort bath salts. A lot of psychologists seem to think that travel's good for your mental health. Presumably better than the bath salts in the baby pool option, I assume, at least, anyway. At a time when America's mental health is suffering, rates of depression and anxiety are up, happiness is down, Polls show Americans are, in fact, the unhappiest that they've been in half a century, when well, people were reminded by ever-present FOMO-generating social media posts that there is, in fact, a lot of cool stuff out there to see, why not make it at least a little bit easier for Americans to experience more stuff in the world in person rather than through the lens of some influencer on Instagram? Every year for the last several years now, the U.S. has fallen on the World Happiness Report. You know, when I was a kid, I used to listen to this thing called I Can Hear It Now. It's basically a a radio program pulled together by the very famous journalist Edward R. Murrow, uh, which traced its way through the first half of the 20th century. And I remember hearing a clip of President Warren Harding blustering away, What is the greatest thing in life? Happiness. And there's more happiness in the American village than any place on Earth. I'll leave it to y'all to decide whether my impression of another absolute failure of a president from 100 years ago this time is on the same level as my Trump one. Harding may have been right at the time. The World Happiness Report didn't exist back then. But it seems kind of odd that the wealthiest country on Earth, with unparalleled resources to improve its people's lives if it so chose, has never even reached the top 10 on that index. Speaking of indices, one that the U.S. consistently leads is still GDP. At least I don't think the Chinese have passed this up yet. But I'm guessing that Americans getting a more normal amount of paid time off would actually probably be a pretty good thing for the economy. And I've admittedly done less research on this than the comparative piece and the cultural stuff from earlier, and we'll thus focus on it less. Clearly the crux of this episode wasn't yet another way America can get rich. But tourism and travel is good for the economy. Considering how huge the U.S. is, something tells me that although some Americans would certainly make a beeline for Cabo if given more time off, more paid vacation would probably result in a lot more travel and money spent in the U.S. economy. Also, just as an issue of fairness, it's been pointed out repeatedly by economists over the last few decades that CEO pay has skyrocketed while workers' salaries have remained stagnant. If we're not going to have a wealth tax or raise the minimum wage or reverse the Republicans' 2017 tax scam, one tiny thing we could do to slightly even the balance is require that employers shoulder the burden of providing paid leave to their employees at least as much as do their counterparts in most of the rest of the world. Of course, this could hypothetically go too far in the other direction, but right now we're on the far end of the spectrum, and it's not the fun end. So, I decided to do an episode about this, first of all because I think it. But also, it's really an issue that I think isn't getting anywhere near enough attention. I know it feels silly saying that in basically the same week that Afghanistan fell to the Taliban, Texas all but banned abortion, and a bunch of the countries in a choose-your-own-climate-change adventure of either being on fire or underwater. But this has been an issue for a while, and it doesn't get talked about enough even as more and more people have started talking about the fact that we should put some policies in place, at least regarding paid family leave, an area where we also suck compared to the rest of the world. That's something that we absolutely should fix, but everyone from most of the Democratic 2020 presidential candidates to Ivanka Trump has already proposed something to fix that, and I would like for somebody to stand up and say, yes, let's fix that and... Giving birth isn't the only legitimate reason Americans should be given a few days off work. So, President Biden has talked about paid family leave in his American Families Plan. It's also been rumored that the larger, non-bipartisan of the two massive infrastructure spending bills, the Democrats' soft infrastructure bill, could give Americans some form of paid family leave. That is, if Senators Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin will consent to, you know, be Democrats for a minute and let the damn thing through. Could paid vacation please also make its way into that bill? Or could at least make its way into the discussion, please? Another option could be for action at the state level. Now, only a majority of... No, sorry, apparently my subconscious is an optimist. Only a minority of states even require that employees be given any paid sick leave. And the states, especially southern red ones, seem to be in a constant race to out third world each other to poach businesses. So uphill climb. But I believe a couple of states, as far as I know, just Maine and Nevada, but maybe there are more, uh, have passed paid time off laws that don't specify that it's just for sick leave. Now, to be fair, Nevada's law basically allows you, over the space of a year, to generate 40 hours, so five days, of paid time off. So, you know, not awesome, but technically better than zero. If paid time off, that doesn't have to do with either becoming a parent or contracting some horrible disease, doesn't make it into any federal legislation this time around, well, maybe more states could take up the cause. So before wrapping up this episode, I could just hear some potential arguments being levied against what I've said here, and I want to just preemptively head some of them off at the pass. So, for example, but Oliver, wouldn't a mandate like this hurt small businesses? Great question, hypothetical questioner, glad you asked. Well, it's possible. But that's the same argument made constantly by people against raising the minimum wage. And I think most sane people agree that the minimum wage cannot stay forever at $7.25 an hour where it was set over a decade ago. This argument is made every single time anybody proposes raising the minimum wage. Yet somehow, every time it gets raised, small businesses survive. Also, just from experience, over here in the communist hellscape of paid vacation that is Spain, There are a lot of small businesses. It actually feels to me like there are more of those and fewer chains here, although that could just be me. Or, but Oliver, why do we need a mandate from the government? I mean, I get paid time off in my job, and most of the people I know do too, so what's the problem? Well, as I mentioned before, on average, American workers end up with far fewer days of paid vacation than their counterparts almost anywhere else. If the average is just 10 days, which sucks, That means that a lot of people are getting substantially less even than that, and we know for a fact that millions of people get none at all. Besides the fact that leaving it up to the private sector is generating bad outcomes, evidently, it's also worth noting that this is a system-wide problem that will require a system-wide solution. Take my company that I mentioned at the top. Now, they do give a pretty generous vacation package by U.S. standards, but they can't afford to, on their own, jump all the way over to what let's call the developed global standard if their clients or their competitors aren't going to give their workers any more time off as well. We all need to be rowing in the same direction for this to work. And for that, we need the government to be the, the coxswain, coxswain. How do you pronounce the, the word of the usually little person that sits in the front of a boat on crew teams and tells the, the, the rowers when to row? Finally. But Oliver, statistics show that many Americans don't even take all the paid vacation they have, so why do we need a mandate that they be given more? That might be the most important question. Yes, statistics do in fact show that Americans leave tons of PTO on the table. Don't you think, though, that part of that might come from a deep-seated feeling that we don't really deserve a break? a feeling that might be at least slightly alleviated by us standing up as a people through our government and mandating that hard-working Americans have just as much right to a break as their counterparts in the rest of the world? It will be necessary for us to undergo some political and cultural changes here, but it's worth it. Giving ourselves the same freedom enjoyed by most of the world's workers will make Americans happier, less stressed, and less isolated. America was ostensibly founded, away from Europe, to promote life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In Europe, by now, they seem to have gotten around to that, while in America we have, instead, work, more work, and the pursuit of funding for Jeff Bezos' next dumb vanity project. As I said a couple of times here, because I really can't think of a more efficiently blunt way to put it, that sucks. We deserve better, we should do better. Either that, or I need to seriously consider a career in academia after all. Because, you know, summers. Speaking of, I left myself a note here to talk about job insecurity and the culture of presenteeism, but eh, it's super late and I've got a plane to catch in the morning, so that's it for this episode of OK Talks. If you're enjoying the show, that is when I actually get around to putting out episodes and don't want to miss one, please hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. I believe it's now up on Amazon and Google Podcasts as well, so those are among the options. If you really want to do me a favor, please like or review the podcast on any one of those platforms where you listen to it, or better yet, share it with somebody else who you think might be interested. As always, I want to thank my friend Nate Wright, both for designing the podcast artwork and for his near constant prodding that I generate more episodes. Until the next one, I hope you have a good end of the summer as free as possible from hurricanes, tornadoes, Islamic extremist organizations, wildfires, the Delta variant, or any of the other horrors that are plaguing our news plate. Right. Until the next episode, thank you for listening.